0: It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good afternoon.
1: It's Monday afternoon drive time. My name is Julian Gibb, and today I am blessed to have Nathan. Nathan Smith, welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me, Julian. It's great to be here today. Nathan, tell me, what, what, what do you do in the daytime? What, what, keeps, you, uh, what keeps you out of trouble? Yeah, uh, well, it's hard to keep me out of trouble, but, uh, I work for Phoenix Rescue Mission. We're a, a local Christ-centered nonprofit. Uh, we focus on serving people who are experiencing homelessness, addiction, trauma. Um, I am the chief program officer at the mission, so, uh, I have the distinct privilege of getting to oversee all of the services that we offer. So, so that's keeping me pretty busy and out of trouble during the day. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how, how did you,
1: Tell me a little bit about Nathan. How did you get into – what was your, your journey uh, from from going to the rescue mission?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, uh, once upon a time, I was just going to church and uh, – just believing that the whole point of going to church was to share the gospel and to bring people in the kingdom and I, I still believe obviously that's really important. I got challenged to go to a missions trip out in India. Uh it was was not something I wanted to do. I did it really, really reluctantly, you know. <laughs> um we jumped on and I went out, spent a month out there and got a chance to see people experiencing joy and experiencing love and community. Uh and also extreme poverty, very abject poverty, and seeing those two things together really made me sort of reassess my first world problems back home. Right. Uh, it was really eye-opening experience. So I came home and uh, my wife and I, you know, we knew we needed to do something. Uh, I started reading the gospel in a different way. There was a lot of message about good news to the poor that for some reason I just had ignored, I, I just hadn't paid yeah. attention to. Yeah. Um, and so all of those experiences together led my wife and I one night on a Saturday to go to the worst parts of town Hand out sack lunches and stuff to people, and just get to know people, and sit all down. Right. And um, eventually, I brought my entire church along, and we went out every Saturday and did that for a while, uh, for f- several years, as a, in fact, uh, and just broke bread and created relationships with people living wow. on the streets. Got to know them, got to serve them, uh, you know, and just really tried to break those walls down and, and have like a kingdom meal every week. Yeah. And eventually, I realized that that's what I wanted to spend all my time doing, uh, and so since international missions had become kind of out of uh, out of the picture with kids coming along. Uh, I just decided, you know, I'm going to go find a place to work and w- worked at a couple spots, eventually landed at the mission seven years ago. And uh, yeah, it's been amazing ever since. It's just a great place to be for someone who really wants to do kingdom work for people wow. on the streets.
1: Well, th- That's an amazing story. And so, you know, I, 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 I know of one missionary in, in, in Africa and uh, he, he in the same organization that I am. Mm. And he uh, the, the church is booming where he is. You know, it's just, just exploding. Mm. And, uh, he went back to England to go and visit the, the church that sent out the missionaries 150 years ago, you know, to go and bring the, bring the word to that part of Africa. And he went there and there's like three people in the church, (laughs) you know? And so so it's, you know, the the point being is that international missionaries is an absolute must, you know, taking the word, taking God's love, uh, to all nations, Mm -hmm. you know, but also there's, there's a lot of work to do back home. You know, and so, and so that's what you're doing in the Phoenix Rescue Mission. And so, so tell me, um, what what is the Phoenix Rescue
2: Mission? What is it that you do there? Yeah, so the mission, you know, we provide a lot of services to people uh who are both in need of residential space and people who are who are housed and in their own communities. Um so our non residential services, we offer homeless street outreach. Uh we work with the courts, we work with police departments, uh we have a day labor service for people living on the streets where we use case management and pay the minimum wage to do service projects. Uh we've got several case managers, a dozen case managers on the streets every day trying to work with folks to to get them into better living situations. Uh, We offer a food bank and other food distribution services throughout the community. So uh, for those working poor families, many and there's many more in light of COVID, you know, that there's been a really significant increase in food insecurity. And so we offer uh, services to people who are in that situation. They can come and get food a couple times a month. Uh, We have residential campuses where we offer a very short term crisis stabilization program people are in a situation where they know they just need something better they don't know what that is oftentimes or sometimes they do but they know they want they have goals for themselves and they're not on their way there so they come to us and, and we help them develop a plan get them off the streets or off the couch or wherever they're at and um Sometimes those people decide to stay with us, and then they go into really our featured program at the mm-hmm. mission. We call it Transformations. It's a 12-month addiction recovery program. It's mm. a discipleship-based program, but it's also surrounded with one-on-one counseling, uh, psychoeducation classes that are run by licensed counselors. Um, and so we we bring a, a strong mix of discipleship and clinical uh, expertise into that Transformations program and really try to help people unpack the trauma um, and the experiences that have led them to the situation that they're in right now. Uh, and we graduate people from that after you, you, typically 12 months, some stay on longer. Um, and and so those are really the programs that we offer. Again, a set of non-residential programs and then those residential programs were really working in people's lives. So how uh,
1: how do you do this? I mean, and what I mean by that is, to me, I'm overwhelmed just listening to you. You know, I'm sure. sort of you know, I'm thinking like, well, I can go down and I can make some coffee, you know, or, I, you know, I can, I can uh, hand out some things. But, I mean, you, the, the center's offering this seems like, at least to me, this comprehensive way of reaching out and meeting the needs of people uh, who have been, uh, for whatever reason, are on the so-called margins of society. And so so what, what, what is it that, that empowers you, you know, to do your job? Well, what is it that gives you the, the, the mental... Uh, and the physical energy to to, to do all this?
2: It, it really comes down to, uh, first and foremost, the gospel. Um, I'm really moved by Jesus' message that uh, we see him in the least of these. And by the emphasis that he placed on bringing good news to the poor, I love the way Luke's uh, gospel frames it where in that in that case, his very first message is something that has an emphasis on bringing in the marginalized and the poor, and so first and foremost i mean my my motivation comes from Jesus um, also personally. I feel my goal is to change communities of lives, mm. uh, and and that just keeps me going. Um, you know, some people's goals, and my goal once upon a time was to be a millionaire by the time I was twenty nine. Well, twenty nine is long since passed, <laughs> and I have never made a million dollars, <laughs> um, and and that's totally okay. At some point, Jesus changed my motivations into being more people versus myself oriented. Uh, And so if I can change a million lives, or if I can change 10 million lives by the time it's all said and done, uh, to me, I'll look back and be like, thank you, Lord, for using me. Uh, And that's just my personal motivation. I think for others, it's just a matter of, um, you know, finding your purpose in the world beyond yourself, First and foremost, uh and then thinking, how can I give in, how can I be a part of that? And so for me it looks like coming and working in this field professionally, but it didn't always look that like, like that, and it doesn't look like for many others. So, you know, that's you know my story and how I got into it. But uh it doesn't mean that other people can't be involved without being involved professionally, you know. Right. T- tell us about that. I mean I mean uh, you know, I'm assuming
1: that that it's not just uh Phoenix Rescue Mission employees. Uh, that are serving at the center. You know, do do you have volunteers that help you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've got a range of them, too. Uh, We'll have what we call high-impact partners. Mm. A high-impact partner is someone who's really more devoted to the mission. They're really working alongside us in mission. Uh, They're believers, you know, because they're in our Christian mission with us uh, and they they do they oftentimes have significant impact you know we have a, a group of ladies who in in non-covid times come onto the campus and provide bible studies with breakout bible study groups yeah. with all the women on the campus it's yeah. a tuesday morning bible study ladies a shout out to them they're amazing uh we we um we have one pastor who's a, a good friend of mine actually we met through the mission Uh, He just decided, you know, maybe close to a decade ago or so that he just was called to go and to go be in the community and work in the community, still running his church. Still, that's his first ministry. Um, and so he decided to come and work alongside us at the mission. He started in the men's campus. He's eventually become something like the campus pastor really over on the women's campus. Um, and his church has come and gotten involved with him. Mm. And so he's sort of served as a trailblazer. Um, but they're not all superhero stories either. You know, we've got our food bank right now, uh, is serving a thousand more households a day than we used to pre COVID. And so, uh, excuse me, per month, uh, pre COVID. And so, um, I can't staff that all the way up. It would cost me so much money to do yeah, that. So yeah. we, we really rely on volunteers to run that every single day. I don't know all of their names because there's so many of them and every single one of them is critically important to us getting this food out to food insecure households. So whether it's a superstar who's trailblazing and bringing his entire church community in or it's just an individual who's coming and maybe doing intake and getting to know someone on the computer or packing up food baskets and wheeling them out. Yeah. I mean there's all sorts of ways for people to jump in and have an impact and that's really just at the mission. That's not looking uh, around at other organizations.
1: Because uh, I want to ask about the, uh, the ladies and gentlemen that are at your, your, your centers. But uh, before I do, you know, when, when the volunteers arrive, do you see uh, their serving affecting them, changing them?
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, first and foremost, that was my story early on. You know, I come back from a month in India and my life is permanently changed. Uh, I went five more times. So I did six of those one month trips, uh, and life never went back the same. And, and I would come out feeling like I wonder what my lasting impact was, kind of like the missionaries, uh, to, to Europe that you were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, you, you do question what is your lasting impact if you, Mm. if you're not able to plant the kinds of roots that you want thankfully my I worked with an organization that could um but I come back thinking wow I am changed and I am changed permanently and and through working at the mission, I've just seen that so many times. People come in and they're like, this was an amazing feeling. I need to come back and do this more. Uh, we recently had someone who took advantage of, he works for the Maricopa Community Colleges. He came in and he was like, this is an amazing experience and went and shared that experience with other people in ah. the Maricopa Community Colleges. Yeah. Um, yeah, people, they feel selfish almost. Like, right. uh, am I doing this for me? And I think the point is, is, that's when we're really touching God, is when we are finding in selflessness things that feel good. Mm. Uh, that's what Christ is about, right? Mm. Like he, he's utterly and completely selfless, giving up the throne of heaven and taking on discomforts of human flesh, dying on the most uncomfortable death on a cross, uh, and then being exalted thereafter, right? That, that sacrificial nature is an expression of who God is in Christ. And so, uh, yeah, whether people are believers and they recognize that or they're not, and they're just doing what their creator wills them to do, um, you know, they're finding that there's an amazing feeling coming out of going and serving others. Wow. And so, tell us a
1: little bit about about the centre. You know, obviously, we we don't want uh, names or anything, but but give us some stories about how um, uh, people's lives have been uh, changed, improved, transformed at the centre.
2: Yeah, part of understanding that is realizing that people are coming from some really dark and tough situations, some really um, awful backgrounds. In many cases, uh, you'll have people who who come to us and they were born addicted to drugs, right? So automatically right out of the gate, they're, they're set back in life. Um, and grow up in, in a household that's angry, that's violent. That's abusive, uh negligent, and then uh get older the first time they get drugs is from one of their parents as uh, a preteen uh. um, and then then they develop and you think, man, what's wrong with this bum? you know what's wrong with this this person who's just on the side of the road asking for money, or uh, this drug drug addict who's just in and out of the emergency room with overdoses and things like that, and so people come to us after that collection of experiences has created them has, has basically formed them into this person yeah. uh, Some of these people are the people that you wouldn't think have much hope in life and they turn out amazing mm. um, you know people really the walls start to come down they come into the classes they start working with their counselor one-on-one men and women we- separately separate campuses sure. weeping sure. Um, finally digging out the trauma that's gotten them into this situation Fast forward, they go through a year of program. Uh, we we have like a stay and save concept. So we let people stay on the campus and save some money, uh, buy themselves a car that they can try to pay off, All right. uh, get themselves a really good job, uh, start looking to reconnect with their families or they have fully reconnected with their families at this point, find good housing and move out. Um, and so there's no shortage of people who've come to us and paid off thousands of dollars of fines, wow. who've come off the streets, out of addiction, who are experiencing years of sobriety, have careers now. Um and, and I can think of a person just right off the top of my head who uh who's come into the mission in a very similar situation. She was disconnected from uh, her kids and uh was able to reunite with her children uh through going through the program and, and staying compliant with those things. Uh fast forward is out of the program several years now, uh just competed in our competitive scholarship program that we have in partnership with grand canyon won a mm. full ride scholarship to huh. go to grand canyon university wow. uh she's working in a medical field so she's going to go get a medical degree and, and no lopes yeah lopes up absolutely uh, proud alumni um and and so yeah no shortage of stories who uh, people who were once what you might think was a drain on the community and now are positively impacting our community and helping us increase our capacity so what what Misconceptions did uh,
1: did you have or or do people have about uh homeless people or people who are struggling on um, on society
2: uh yeah, one of them is that the poor will be with you always and uh and there's just nothing you can do about that or really should do about that um, and then going and having a nice fresh reread of the gospel uh. In my opinion, really challenges that, so one of the things I, I know from the church is stay, is uh, evolving out of that mindset. Um, another thing is is realizing that uh, again, like I was mentioning earlier, people are a collection of experiences, mm-hmm. but there 's a lot beneath there. God created. a a wonderful human being that's just impacted by the fall, much like the rest of us, and maybe in very different ways. Um, And so for me, it's seeing that there's potential, that Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good, and that there's a lot to build on with people, that they're more than just what meets the initial appearance. And if you get to know them, if you're interested in creating a relationship with folks on the other side of the margin, you'll find that they're very much different uh, than what you might have thought. And so that that was a word you said, uh,
1: potential you know I th- uh, extreme potential and so so tell me so so you know there there's this locked up potential within people that's just sort of caged by events in life mm. and and um the center is being used in order to f- to free them of that so that they themselves can live up to that full potential is that is that what you're saying
2: yeah, absolutely um it's first tapping into the their relationship with their creator uh and and bringing them back to god and then also helping them to set goals like get a GED, get a college degree and we help them get those things while they're in their program or at least get started on them um, help them get a job that they maybe never saw themselves doing, help them dream of being a homeowner of mm. uh, having paid off cars and not having debt but having resources yeah. and then show them the path of how that can be accomplished and how others like them have accomplished it, bring back past successful graduates who can come and mentor and show them that it's real um, And and so yeah, you know, when you do those sorts of things we expose people to a different kind of world the kind of world that like i was exposed to growing up by my parents uh and then they realize, well wow i can do this and then they do it and then they come show others that they can do it again and the cycle continues so uh, you're listening to the
1: kingdom and its stories my name is julian gibb and today we're blessed to have nathan nathan from the phoenix rescue mission who is talking about how god is utilizing the center in order to unlock the potential that is within people who uh others may may look on in society and say that um that there's no potential there and yet it's been unlocked, and these people have uh, worked you know through uh, worked their way in order that they may have jobs be reunited with family as well so so nathan uh, I, I want to continue with this because you know there's there's often you know whether whether life has has uh, put you down um you know and put obstacles in your way often, often we're told that um, you know, we, we don't have the potential to do these things. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Nathan, for instance, you know, I mean, that uh, you've got, you know, you, have got, you've got a family, you've got this, you've got that. Um, but, but, but he's got, he's got what it takes, you know? And so, um, what would you say to those listening? You know, perhaps there's someone listening on the radio today saying, there's no potential in me, you know, there, there's, there's no hope for me. Uh, what would you say to them?
2: <clears throat> uh, first of all, anyone can feel that way. I come from a pretty decent home and uh, was like a pretty big failure in school growing up, and thought I would never amount to much of anything either and The only person I think who really was convinced otherwise was my mom and that turned out to be huge for me um, so the, even in some ways that 's my story. But people who start from a far lower floor um, you know you you just have to first and foremost realize that it 's true that God created us. For a purpose. Each of us have an individual purpose. So then it's just about finding what that purpose is. Uh, what are the needs in the society? What are the things that you're passionate about? Uh, where? What are your experiences and your gifts? And how can all those things be brought together for for you to do something good about society? Now it may look very different from what I do. Um, you know, there are people who are going to be more people and less task oriented than I. Because if the world was full of Nathans, we'd be in a tough spot, right? We could not have that. We would never thrive. So we <laughs> need other people who have other gifts and who have other things that they bring to the table. And that's you. That's that's uh, David. That's other people who uh, really have um, other things that they can bring and and can help. In our kingdom uh, activity, so so for me, it's just about their potential is there. That's a fact. Yeah, we were created that way, mm. but dig in and find out what that looks like for you as an individual.
1: Right. T- tell me about yourself in regards to some some you know personal stories about how you have at the center or outside how how you have been helping. People, what? Well, well, give me some more stories. You know, these are just setting me on fire hearing about people, you know, paying off debts, you know, going to college, being reunited with a family. Give me some more
2: of these personal stories. Oh, yeah. Again, there's no shortage of them. One of my favorite ones, uh, a couple years ago, it was hot, really, really, really hot in the summertime and we do this thing called Code Red Campaign. Uh, We raise about a million water bottles and uh, we take a bunch of the streets. We pass them out to hydration stations. Anyway, there was this guy, uh, you know, I'd encountered him. I was doing some outreach with the police department. He had some warrants and stuff so they were giving him a, I wouldn't say a hard time, but they were definitely letting him know that he was towards the end of his legal rope here if he didn't stop trespassing in places where he was wasn't allowed to be. Um, and so we, you know, they let him go, never arrested him or anything like that. But he associated me with that. and Every time I'd see him, he'd flip me a pretty mean bird. And I, we just have a bit of a laugh and, you know, it was kind of funny. Um, anyway, time goes by. I would go out and I'd see him on the streets all the time. Uh, eventually, You know, it was the end of summer. I think it was about August. And he's like, man, I'm dying out here. He'd lost like 15 or 20 pounds. He looked absolutely awful. He looked like he could barely stand. Uh, The heat was really, really killing him, literally. Um, So finally, he agreed. Come on in, came in. Eventually, he got himself a job. Uh, eventually, he got himself housing. We found out that he had several thousand dollars of back child support – or oh. excuse me, of uh, back child support of uh, Social Security. Okay. quite the opposite. Right, <laughs> uh, right, right, right. And, and um, then he was able to rebuild his life. So we went from a guy who was on the verge of, of doing six months over a bunch of misdemeanors right. uh, to – and flipping me the bird every time he saw me uh, – to – reaching out and asking for help and getting help uh we had another guy who had been working for years in the construction industry but he had back problems and he was in his 50s and he's like man i gotta really switch it up but all i've been doing is is drinking my way through a job that i know how to handle right now i can't handle it anymore so he came in he got himself clean uh we got him a certificate to go and get back into it school so he got into it school um he got a certification and he eventually got himself a pretty decent job, actually, something that could c- carry him through the rest of his professional wow. life from the 50s on, you know. Um, we've had several ladies who, who were on the verge of having their rights disconnected with their children and, and not having support systems to, to fall back on, yeah. meaning their kids are going to go into the system and that's never a good thing. Uh, and, they come to the center. They realize they've hit rock bottom. They turn their lives around. The state reunites them with their kids and gives them their rights back. And now they're living in homes. I can think of a woman right now who works at Phoenix Rescue Mission who owns a home huh. uh, and is reunited with her son and is is raising a good family. So, um, I mean, I could go on and on, Julian. There's no shortage of these. Give me one
1: more. Give me one, more. Uh,
2: one of my favorites is a guy who came to us. He'd been in and out of jail for a long time uh, and, you know, came in and he's pretty – Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this program. I don't know about the Jesus stuff, but, you know, we'll give it a try. Uh, I stayed that way for a couple of months through program and eventually started to kind of really grasp on Uh, started. He kicked his addictions to opiates and things like that Uh, and and eventually continued to work the program. He became a leader in the program. He graduated from the program. Uh, He ended up getting himself a job and with the Phoenix Rescue Mission, he started Ground Floor. Um, I actually hired him and, and he came in and he worked really, really hard. So we got promoted to a coordinator job. So when we launched this program called Glendale Works, doing day labor with folks on the streets in Glendale, uh, he was my chosen coordinator. He went out and ran it magnificently, did a great job. He's eventually, he's since become our supervisor over the whole homeless outreach program. Uh, and he just continues to do well. My favorite thing about him though, and, and I hope he hears this, is he just signed up for his 401k. Ah, and uh, and he's getting the four percent back from the company, and he's <laughs> hey. investing in his future. All and this right. is a guy who's fresh out of jail, very reluctant for any of this, and didn't think he'd ever be successful. He's he's now looking into going back to the university, uh, and and so his story continues. You know,
1: oh. uh, that's wonderful. Now we've got one minute left, and so uh, I want you to give me, give me a. I don't want to do this justice to it, but give me a thirty second one more story.
2: Uh, yeah, one more, um, wow, we, again, going back to, we just supplied four people with certificates, uh, yeah. with scholarships through partnership with Grand Canyon to go there for free for four years. Uh, one guy actually won it in 2015, yeah. rebuilt his life, got yeah. married. He's had uh, two beautiful daughters since, uh, and he's worked for the mission. He's also a supervisor and he's worked his way up and now he's going there for his master's degree for free also.
1: So, for people listening, uh, can people recover from, from drug addiction? Yes, apparently. Can people rebuild their marriages? Yes. And so do people, please. Uh, go call, just call into the center and let them help you. And God bless you all. Thank you, Nathan, for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me, Julian. I appreciate it.
0: Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.